Well, before you're seated, how many of you would say, you know, my life has not been a perfect life, but I've had the goodness of God upon my life. How many of you? Let's give Jesus another hand clap. He's been a good God and will remain so. Well, you may be seated. And uh, he's a good, good God. And we know that. Really, it's, it's our motivation. It's why we're here. It's what we do because we serve a God that is good, a God that is great and ought to be praised. Hey, don't we have some phenomenal worship at our church? These young men and women, wow, they do a great job. I always look forward uh, to uh, having, uh, uh, being a part of the service and having this great team lead us in worship. It keeps me busy giving them all vocal lessons and instrumental lessons. How many of you know better than that? They'd be in big trouble. These young men and women are gifted by God, and they use their talents to honor God, and that's a great, great thing. I'm so glad you're here, and we're actually going to pick up a series that we started some time ago. We've had about a three-week pause, uh, Fourth of July weekend and Father's Day, and a lot been going on uh, during this time, and so we're picking this series up, and because it's been a little while since we've been in it, I want to just do a quick review. We're talking about seeing the invisible, and what we're essentially saying is that there is this world that is in existence that is just as real, just as real as the world that you and I see and experience right now. It's a spiritual world, and we talked about that really in a general overview in, in week one, and there's this huge conflict between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness, and there's angels, and we know the Holy Spirit, and there's the evil one, and there's demons, and, and so, you know, a real world, a spiritual battle that is going on that, uh, that is, uh, you know, not visible to our eyes, but we need to understand that just because we can't see it, it does not nullify uh, the reality of it. And so we spend a lot of time in that. We spend a lot of time in that in, in week number one, talking about that and just sort of the spiritual warfare of all of that. And then in week number two, we talked about the Holy Spirit and, and what the Holy Spirit does. In fact, in that week, I shared with you five incredible facts about the Holy Spirit. If you missed any of those talks, I would encourage you. We got, we've got them uh, archived on the website. I'm sure you can go back to the social media platform that they, they would be available on uh, as well if you wanted to go back and review. But uh, that's what we did in week one and week two. Now, next week, when we wrap the series up, and listen, you're really, really going to want to be here next week. Because what we're going to do is we're going to talk about angels. And sometimes there's some misconceptions or misunderstanding about angels. But angels, listen, how many of you believe angels are real? Angels are real. At least four of you do. And I'm so glad you four do. How many of you believe that angels are real? Angels are real, and they've got a purpose, an express purpose that God uses them to accomplish, and we're going to talk about that next week, and you're going to want to be here for that. Now, today, we're going to see what the, the Bible has to say about the devil, about Satan, and his demons. Remember, there's this conflict. Uh, we have God. We have the Holy Spirit. We have Jesus. We have angels, the kingdom of light, all representative of the kingdom of light. We have Satan, the evil one, and the demonic spirits who work in collaboration with him. Now, I don't, I don't like really, uh, to be quite honest, giving attention to that. Nevertheless, the Bible encourages us to be wise and discerning who our enemy is. 
And so that's why we need to devote some attention to this. And to launch us into this, I want to begin with seven verses out of Mark chapter 5. The guys are going to put them up here on the screen. And this is a fairly broad representation of the function and also the capability of demonic spirits. This is Mark chapter 5. And let's pick up at verse 2. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit or an evil spirit, a demon spirit, came up from the tombs to meet him. How many of you know this already sounded bad when a guy greets you in the tombs? This man lived in the tombs. How many of you know it's really get bad real quick? He lived there. And no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out. Look at this. He would just walk through the tombs, through the graveyard, just screaming and cutting himself. He, you know, that, that is not something new. It's just sort of that torment. He would he'd scream and walk through the graveyard and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran in Jesus' direction and he fell on his knees in front of Jesus. He shouted, look at this, at the top of his voice. You got to imagine this scene. What do you want with me, Jesus? He recognized Jesus. How is that possible? What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure, again, you evil or demonic spirit. Now, again, this gives us some insight. And we see this guy whose life is such an utter mess. He's out of control. He just, as I mentioned to you, he just walks through this graveyard among the tombs. And he just screams out and he just yells all the time. Chains can't even hold him because of the force of the demonic activity that is, uh, that is so filling up his life. He cut himself and scream and, and, and it was a horrible picture. Uh, later on, and I didn't read the entire text, uh, as Jesus con confronts, not really the man, but the demonic activity going on within the man, uh, there's this idea, who's your name? And the man responds, legion, legion, because there's, it wasn't like he was just possessed by a demon, singular. He was possessed by a plurality of demon spirits. In fact, uh, you know, I was intrigued by that passage, although I've read it many, many times before the man responds, you can read it later on your own. But he said legion. And he's, again, he's talking about many demon spirits and, and I started uh, digging into that a little bit. Uh, a legion of demons. Now, uh, I, I'm not saying chronologically these are exact numbers, but I found it interesting that a legion in a Roman regiment at that time would be, would be as many as 6,000 foot soldiers and 120 horsemen. So does that mean that this guy was possessed by 6,120 demons. I'm not saying that. I don't think that that was accurate. But we do know that he was possessed by enough demons that when, in fact, they begged Jesus that when he ordered these demons out of this man whose life was such a rag, that Jesus would send these demon spirits into some, some pigs that were on the side of the mountain, it was enough demon spirits to cause 2,000 pigs to go insane, rush down into the lake, and all of them drown. Seeing the invisible. They can't see it, but it's real. 
Maybe some of you are wondering, though, at this point, you know, Jeff, I, you know, this entire subject is bizarre to me. Maybe you fall, categorically speaking, in that group that does not believe in the devil. I hope that that is not true, but, uh, but you might possibly, because a lot of people, a lot of people who are not Christians, uh, a lot of people, even so, not highly percentage-wise, but a lot of people even who are Christians don't believe that there's an actual devil or that there are demons. And maybe, and I'll go ahead and just declare my position on this early in this talk. You may be wondering, well, Jeff, do you believe in demon spirits? And I, I'll tell you, I certainly do. I, I'm not looking for them. I, I don't want to be in, in proximity to them, but I believe in them. And I'll give you an example and some of you, you've never had this experience. I did, unfortunately. I had this experience early on as a, as a new Christian. And, and really, I'd, I've never wanted to have an experience even close to similar to this before. But this is an actual event that happened many, many years ago. Again, I'm a baby Christian. I'm a new Christian at the time. And there was a person that I knew that was manifesting this really, really strange behavior. And again, I wasn't a deep Christian. I hadn't been walking with Jesus for like years and years. But I knew enough, I had enough, even as a, uh, as a newer Christian, to have a spiritual discernment that there was something that was not right because I knew this person, but there was the manifestation of what I thought to be uh, demon activity or demonic spirits going on within this person. And I feel ill-equipped to be able to handle this as a newer Christian. So I actually, while I'm in this setting, I got on the phone with a veteran Christian and I'm explaining to them what is going on. And, and they're just sort of walking me through the, through the steps. Again, sort of causes a hair on the back of my neck to stand up all over again. Although it's been many, many years ago. And the person on the other end of the phone is saying to me, as I'm about to address this person, they said, Jeff, you need to speak to, to the demonic activity going on within this person if that's what you really think is happening. And you need to speak and you need to say to them very clear and in the authority of Jesus, not your authority, obviously, but in the authority of Jesus, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And I did that. It's all I knew to do. They said, you, you, and this was like a veteran Christian. And I'm just taking instructions. And so I said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And the manifestation, this very, very strange behavior that is going on even, even maximizes even more so. In fact, let me, uh, let me mention one segment caveat of this story. All this is playing out. Uh, in a two-story house on the second floor of this house. And I'm on, like on the phone here and I'm saying, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. The manifestation becomes even worse. And this person, and I didn't even catch it at the time, but this person uh, would lunge toward a window that was in this room. And it only later hit me that what, what the demonic activity in this person was trying to do was to move them toward this window, potentially jump out the window. And so, you know, that there were other people in the room, so they were, they were held back. And I just said, again, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. We were believing that there was going to come deliverance for this person. And then, you know, this veteran Christian on the phone says to me, and again, I, you know, I'm not an expert in that. I'm not a Bible theologian or scholar. All I'm doing is following instructions in a situation that had presented itself to me and I was not looking for. So I'm like, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Manifestations, person trying to lunge toward the window. And then this person said, say to them, say the blood of Jesus. 
Just tell them, say, say the blood of Jesus. How many of you, by the way, believe there's power in the name of Jesus? Do you believe that? How many of you believe, you remember that old song, old, old song that we used to sing in church, there's power in the blood? How many of you believe there's power in the blood of Jesus? And this person, I'm, I don't know what to do, really. And they, I just say, say the blood of Jesus. And I knew this person's voice. I knew it well. I'm not making this up. I'm not exaggerating. But there was this hideous voice that came out of this person that was not their normal voice. And this is what that demonic spirit said back to me. I said, say the blood of Jesus. And this person in a voice I'd never heard before says, the blood will smother me. How many of you know I'm looking for an exit? <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I, I didn't ask for this. I wasn't looking for this. I didn't want, and they just said, keep saying it. Rebuke that devil in the name of Jesus. I kept doing that. Say the blood of Jesus. And um, th again, uh, other things happened, and this all probably played out in the course of about 30 minutes, but it ended up with this person, after a while, there was this shriek, almost like something you'd think would, would this loud shriek, almost like something you'd see in a movie, and there was this immediate calmness and peace and freedom that came over this person, and this person who had been manifest in this activity, lunging for this window, this voice that said, the blood will smother me. All of a sudden, this person, it's like a return of this person, and they're saying, the blood of Jesus, and the blood of Jesus, and the blood of Jesus, and they had been delivered. And this person served Jesus for years and years and years afterwards to their dying day. So if you're going to come to me and say, Jeff, I don't believe in all that stuff. Well, you're barking up the wrong tree. I've seen it. I've experienced it. And it's real. The spirit world may be invisible to us, but it's totally real. That's why we're talking about it. But quite often people wonder, but where did Satan come from anyhow? And the Bible actually answers that. See, Satan was not always bad. You can study this all on your scripture. In fact, when you look at some language that scholars would use, they use phrases like this, that, that, that Lucifer had this, here, here's a quote, a pre-fall splendor. That Lucifer this, was a major angel uh, prior to the time of his fall. But here's the problem. This major angel is so filled with pride that he actually wants to be worshipped as God is the only one. How many of you believe that God is the only one that ought to receive worship? In fact, in the scriptures, when you'd see somebody would bow before even an angel, and we'll talk about some of that next week, I promise you don't want to miss it. The person would say, hey, you know, or they'd bow before a person. They'd say, hey, I, I'm just a person. Get up, get up. You only, you only bow, you only worship God. But Satan was filled with pride. He wanted to be worshiped, and it didn't stop there. He, des he desired to take the place of God himself. Now, how many of you know that was not going to sit well with God? And God's like, there's... God, and that's me, and you're not it, and I'm going to kick your tail out of heaven, all right? So that's not God's words. That's my paraphrase. You, it's a more modern paraphrase. But I want you to take a look at a couple of separate passages. Again, the guys are going to put them up on the screen. This is out of Isaiah. You'll want to write it down and go back and look at some of these passages later because I'm just leading you through them rather quickly. Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 14 how you are fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning. You have been thrown down, talking about the, uh, about the devil. You have been thrown down to the earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. Why was he thrown down? Why was, 
uh, Satan, Lucifer, cast out of heaven. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I'm going to take God's place. I'm going to be higher than God. I will preside on the mountain of the gods far away in the north. Look at this next part. I will climb to the highest heavens. And look at this next highlighted phrase. And be like the most high. Be like God. I want to be, I want to be worshipped. Lucifer said, I want to be God. And God said, well, that ain't going to happen. And he cast the enemy out of heaven along with de demonic spirits, other angels who were collaborative with him. And how do we know this? Look at this next passage, three verses out of Revelation chapter 12. Then there was war in heaven. Exactly. We know why. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. Who's the dragon? Talk to me. Satan, the devil. Fought against the dragon and his angels, which would become demons, and the dragon, or Satan, the, the devil, lost the battle, and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all of his angels. With all of his angels. Now, one Bible scholar, while I, while I was working on this talk, one Bible scholar said this, sort of a, sort of a summary statement. Satan is the ruler of a powerful kingdom standing in opposition to the kingdom of God. And we know that. He is the head of a vast organization of spirit beings or demons. And he skillfully directs this host of wicked spirits in the heavenlies who will do his bidding. Seeing the invisible. Kingdom of darkness against the kingdom of light. The evil one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus who comes to save and heal, deliver. Do we see this all playing out in our own vision as we see each other in this uh, auditorium that we're in? Uh, do we see it? No, but that does not nullify or invalidate the reality of it. It does exist. How many of you believe that there is a God in heaven? There is a Holy Spirit. There is Jesus who came to the earth to die for our sins. But there's also a devil. There's also Satan. But I want to pause and I want to take a breath before we get into some note-taking areas and provide you with some clarification at this point. And here's what I want to say, and I wish I had more time to talk about this, but there's a lot to cover. So I want to just uh, make a couple of remarks and then we'll dive right in. You and I need to understand that not every bad or wrong thing that ever happens is attributed to the activity of the devil or to Satan. Let me say that again. Not every bad thing that happens, not every wrong thing that happens should be attributed to the activity of Satan, the devil, or demon spirits. Um, it, it, it just shouldn't be because it's not always. In fact, when your kids or grandkids are acting up, don't blame the devil. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You know, don't blame the devil. Uh, our grandkids were here recently, you know that, and so one day I'm, cleaning, uh, I'm changing the filters, the air conditioning filters in, in, the, in the house, and uh, I climb up the ladder, I've got this, you know, taller sort of A-frame, brought it into the hallway to change the first one, climb up the ladder, let down the grade, I'm going to reach up, and then I look down for just a moment, eyeball to eyeball with me on the other side of the ladder is Brody. 
and I'm on the steps you ought to climb on. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That's like yay wide. Uh, Brody's on the steps that are like yay wide, and he's like right up here with me. I don't panic. He's at the top of the ladder, and I said, Brody, are you helping Papa? He's like, yeah. I said, well, we're going to change this. Yeah, and so I changed the filter, you know, threw the other one down, put the new one in, closed it up. I said, all right, we're done, buddy. Let's get down, and I know his nature, and I know it's not the devil. I know it's just Brody. So I said to him, here's what we're going to do, buddy. We're going to go down one step at a time, okay? Yeah. So I go down one step. I think he's going to go down one step. I kid you not. He does not take a step. He jumps backwards off the ladder, lands feet first on the floor, falls on his little bottom. Then his head hits the hall, the, the sheetrock, and then he jumps immediately to his feet, rubbing his head, saying, I'm okay, Papa. I'm okay, Papa. I'm okay, Papa. How many of you know that was not the devil? That was all Brody. Devil had nothing to do with that. You have a fender bender. Don't blame the devil. You may have not just been paying attention. I had a church bookkeeper a number of years ago uh, that her husband always parked his work truck behind her vehicle. She had back out of the garage. One morning, she was in a hurry because she was running late. Guess what she did? She raised the garage. She backed her car up into the back of her car, into the front of his truck, had to call the insurance company for damages to two vehicles. How many of you know that was not the devil? She just wasn't paying attention. I'm embarrassed to tell you this next story, but I'll go ahead and tell you anyhow. This has been about 25 to 27 years ago. Um, there's a guy in the church. He was a mechanic, and I was having, uh, you know, I got up, you know, to, to go. My car went and crank, and I'm like, man, I got some kind of mechanical issue. And I'm like, uh, I don't know what the problem is. Um, and so I called this guy. His name was Mike. And I said, Mike, whenever you get a chance, man, I've got a situation here in my car. It will, not, it will not start. And I don't know what to do. I have no clue what to do. You come over. When you get a chance, take a look. He said, I'll be happy to, Pastor. He came over a little while later. He's checking it out. He's looked. You know, none of what's under that hood made any sense of uh, uh, Unless it's like one bid switch where you turn it on or off. I don't know. Or, you know, I, I don't know what's the liver, the gizzard. I, I don't know what's all going on underneath. So he's messing around with it for a good while. Then he looks at me. He tries to crank it. He does a few things. He tries to crank it. Does a few things. He tries to crank it. And then he, he walks over to me. He says, I think I know what your problem is. I'm like, what is it? You know, uh, he said, you're out of gas. <laughs> now, how many of you know Mike would not have been too impressed if I would said, that's it. The devil drained my tank in the middle of the night while I was asleep. I knew I was low on the gas. I just didn't know I was that low on gas. How many of you want me working on your car? <laughs> if you lose your job, it doesn't mean it's the devil. You hit your thumb with a hammer, it doesn't mean it make you want to say some stuff you shouldn't say as a Christian. When you have a bad hair day, when the neighbor's dog leaves your deposit and you're not, you know, how many of you know every bad thing, every negative thing, every wrong thing that happens, how many of you know, wave at me if you know, you don't blame that on the devil. Things just happen. But it doesn't, again, nullify the reality of there is a Satan and there is a devil and there are demons. Now, what do demons do? And I'll mention three things if you're taking notes. I want you to be sure you get these down. Number one, demons are always seeking to inflict pain and misery. Demons are always seeking to inflict pain and misery. No one's ruled out of that. 
male or female, senior adults, kids, younger, old, it doesn't matter. I, I want you to see this example. This is Matthew chapter 17, 17. Take a look at it right here. Matthew 17, uh, verse, verses 15 through 18. Uh, this guy says to Jesus, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I, I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. And then Jesus speaks. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy. And the boy, read that last phrase with me. And the boy was healed at that moment. The boy was healed at that moment. Make no mistake about it. Satan is not your friend. Satan hates you. He wants you to suffer. He wants to inflict pain and misery. He wants you to be defeated. Satan wants you to be depressed. He wants you to be despondent. He wants you to live in a perpetual state of despair. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to kill you. How do you know that? Because Jesus, this is not somebody else. It's not even Paul, as remarkable as Paul was. Jesus said, for Satan comes to do what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. Number two. Demons want you to avoid and reject God. Demons want you to avoid and reject God. Remember, they, Satan became an arch enemy of God. I'm filled with pride. I want to be worshipped. I want to set my throne even above your throne. I want to be God. Kicked out of heaven. And since that time, he, he, he hates, he, he hates a child of God. He hates everybody, but especially a child of God. And, and demons want you to avoid God. If you're not a Christian yet, the enemy's going to do everything that he can to prevent you from becoming a Christian. You may be here today and you're not even a Christian. You're watching online and you're saying, hey, I'm not a Christian. And, and then if you get close to becoming a Christian, uh, you know, the e evil one will say things like, man, what are you thinking? You don't need a crutch like Christianity to lean on. That's, that stuff is, that's, you know, that stuff is, is just not even real. It's just not, that's not for you. By the way, you couldn't even live the life if you did become the Christian. Oh, by the way, there's not really a heaven. There's not really a hell. There's not really a God. There's not really a Jesus. There's not really a devil. And, uh, oh, by the way, all the stuff that you've done in your past, God wouldn't want to have anything to do with you anyhow. You're not the kind of person. You're going to have plenty of time. And the enemy, if you're not a Christian, will do everything within his power to prevent you to become, from becoming a Christian. How many of you know I'm telling you the truth? If you happen to be a Christian already, already the devil wants to ambush your faith. And, and, and he'll come along, and even though you're a Christian, and, and he'd say things when things are not going right in your life, he'd be like, you know what, if God really cared about you, God really cared about you, or, or how about this one? The enemy will do it. Again, he wants to ambush your faith. You notice God didn't answer your prayer. God didn't answer your prayer. Why do you think God didn't answer your prayer? Or, or why didn't God do this? Or why didn't God stop that? I want you to look. This is a very important verse. This is 1 Timothy 4 and verse 1. And a lot of times when we're reading the Bible, we don't see this verse, but it's right there. Paul was talking to Timothy, and he said this. He said, God's Spirit clearly says, Timothy, that in the last days, many people will turn from their faith. They will be, look at this phrase now, this highlighted phrase, they will be fooled by evil spirits and by teachings that come from what? From demons. So this is real. So number one, 
Demons are seeking to inflict pain and misery. Number two, demons want you to avoid and reject God. By the way, do you know that the devil always knows our weak spots? He knows where we're weak. He knows where we're vulnerable. He's done a scouting report. You know how in sports there's a scouting report. You know this guy. You know the scouting report is, you know, he can hit a fastball over the plate, but he struggles with, a, a, you know, a changeup or a curveball. And so there's a scouting. Trust me, the evil one knows what our weaknesses and our vulnerabilities are. No Number three, what do demons do? Demons want to paralyze you with fear. Many of you are being harassed by the evil one in this area of your life in fear and worry and anxiety. And previously, you've not even recognized the source of it, perhaps. Maybe you've just said to this point in your life, oh, it's, I, I'm just a worrier. I'm just a worrier. Mama was a worrier. Grandmother was a worrier. Great-grandma was a worrier. I've got the family genes. I'm just a worrier. Now, that may be true. It may be true that you're a worrier, or it could be the devil is checking you. Uh, that's a term I'm not, I, I don't normally use. The, the evil one is checking you. But since I watched the Tampa Bay Lightning win the Stanley Cup, did any of you see that? I watched more hockey over the last couple of weeks than I've had in my entire life. And I'm impressed by these big boys. Do you know what it means when they would check somebody? How many of you know? Wave at me if you know what that means. It means they knock the daylights out of them. I mean, they're just skating along, and this guy comes up, and he checks him. He just, I'm like, how can that guy even get up off the ice? That looks like it dismantled his teeth out of his head. And he gets up and skates around, and he's back in the action. And that's what the enemy's going to do. He's going to check you in an area of your greatest weakness. Maybe that you seem to be anxious about something all the time. You're worried about your health, or you're worried about your job, or you're worried about your kids, or you're worried about money, or you're worried about COVID, or you're worried about your marriage, or you're worried about your future. And I wouldn't even thought of this one had they not just had something to the RPG Funding Center, I guess, on Friday. I didn't go, obviously, but I heard about it. Uh, maybe you're just worried about Bigfoot sightings. How many of you know they just had a Bigfoot sighting? Friday. Please don't tell me if you went. Please don't. If you went, that's fine. Just don't, just don't tell me because my nature is I won't be able to leave that alone. <laughs> you know what I noticed? When, when, I became, when I became a Christian, the devil did not hit me with the same old sins of my past. You know what he did? He punched me with a big shot of fear. A lot of the things that I struggled with before coming a Christian, which I will purposely leave unnamed, were not the things that I struggled with. He couldn't get me in those areas anymore. He knew my vulnerabilities. He knew my weakness. He had my scouting report. So it isn't, didn't hit me with the things that I'd struggled with in my past. He hit me with something I'd never been hit with before, and that was fear. If you're struggling with fear, now it could be coming from you. It could be. Because you are by nature a worrier. You're worried about something. In fact, when there's nothing to worry about, you worry what's coming next. You're just a worrier. It could be you. It could be the evil one. It could be a combination of you and the evil one. But I'll tell you who it is most assuredly not. It is not God. If you are struggling with fear, it is not from God. It is not. I mentioned to you I became a Christian, and then, you know, it wasn't the same old struggles that I had. It's this new struggle of fear. And the very first verse that I memorized as a Christian, because I needed to, and it saved my life, 
was this verse you're going to see right up here on the screen. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. In fact, when I memorized the verse, it was out of a translation that said just like this. I'll never forget it. I was a teenager, and I was struggling with fear. And I was like, God, I'm struggling with this, and I know you didn't give it to me. Your word says you didn't give it to me. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. The enemy wants to paralyze you with fear. So let's transition now, and I'll only take a few moments for this, but it's really important. How do we battle against the forces of darkness and when? How do we do that? We're involved. Let me just say this, by the way, and this is going to be so encouraging to you. You are not fighting for a victory. You're actually fighting from a position of victory that Jesus has already paid and provided for you. That ought to have got a much bigger reaction than that. It really, I'm just telling you, that, that, that is such a, not because I said it, because it's a reality. There ought to come a much bigger response to that. When you say, and I say, I am not fighting for victory over the evil one. I'm fighting from a position of victory that Jesus has already made available to me because of what Jesus did for me. I already have victory. But how do I walk in that? Number one, reject the perception that the devil is a lightweight. You've got to reject that, that he's a lightweight. Satan may not be all-knowing. He may not be all-powerful. He may not be everywhere present, but he is real, and he is powerful. I want you to check out this very unusual verse. At least a segment of it is to me, and I really haven't studied it enough, that segment, to be able to talk about it. Um, you know, in an informed kind of way. But I want you to look at verse 9. This is Jude. Not even the chief angel Michael, you saw this angel's name a few moments ago, not even the chief angel Michael did this. In his quarrel with the devil, his fight with the devil, when they argued, look at what they're arguing about. This is so unique about the body of Moses. But Michael did not, this is part that we can't understand. Michael did not dare to condemn the devil with insulting words. But what did he say? He didn't say, I rebuke you. He said, listen, Satan, the Lord rebuke you. And why does he do that? Because he notices that the evil one is not a lightweight. Seven sons of a Jewish uh, chief priest. And they're out attempting to cast out demon spirits. And you can check this out later. But I want you to see the verses for just a few moments. This is Acts chapter 19, verses 13 through 16. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, Jewish chief priests, they were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them, look at this, Jesus I know and Paul I know about, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all, all of them, all seven, one guy, all seven. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. I mean, this one man overpowers, the evil one is not, he overpowers seven to the point that they're running around naked and bleeding. Some people think that streaking got started in the 70s. It actually got started way back here. And if you don't know what streaking is, I understand. You're way too young. You're way too young. Number two, refuse. I don't know where that comes from. And so, uh, I don't. No, number two, refuse to skate near the edges of darkness. Refuse. Just don't even, just don't even Play around. Don't even get near the edges. You have time for one more grandbaby story, do you? Always. Thank you. I appreciate that. 
so grandkids down there in the pool. Audrey's out there watching Kindling Landry. Those are the ones that are in the pool. And so I'm cleaning the pool, and, and I'm in a hurry. I'm cleaning. You ever do some task high speed? I was doing it high speed, and I'm just, I, you know, I'm skimming, and I'm walking, and I'm, I'm, I'm just making laps, and I'm uh, so OCD in that regard. I make it certain just to make sure there's not even the tiniest piece of anything in the pool. And so I'm going around, and I'm in a hurry, and I'm in a hurry, and I'm not, I look up, and I'm in the deep, uh, the deep portion of the pool, walking around the edge, and I'm going to step over the corner, and I thought I was going to step onto the, and I step right into the pool. I just, I mean, just like, I'm, I'm, I'm just cleaning one moment, I'm, the next moment, I'm in the pool. And Audrey and Kinley and, uh, and Landry all thoroughly enjoyed it a whole lot more than I did. But I, you know, was it dangerous? It could have been, I guess, but I know how to swim. It was no big deal. But the point that I'm trying to make is a lot of times people can just skate near, walk near, run near the edges of stuff they have no business being a part of. Oh, it's just harmless. Oh, it's just an innocent little fortune teller. No. And, and people get involved, uh, you know, and not as much maybe as it used to be, but Ouija boards. And, uh, but the Bible says anything to do with like that, spiritists and psychics and mediums, you stay far away from that. You say, well, Jeff, is that actually in the Bible? It is, and I want you to see it. It's Deuteronomy 18, 10 through 12. Now, let no one be found among you who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft or casts spells or who is a medium or spiritist or who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. Why? Because you just don't play around. You don't skate near the edge of darkness. Wave at me if you know what I'm talking about. You and I, we walk in the authority of Jesus. And that's number three. We fight with God's authority. We remember to fight. What do we do? Number one, we reject, we reject the perception that the evil one is a lightweight. Number two, we refuse to skate near the edges of darkness. Number three, we remember to fight with God's authority, not our own power. See, if you try to fight the evil one in your own power, you're going to lose every time. However, if you go and you battle in the name of Jesus and with the authority of Jesus, you will be a victor. You will be a conqueror. Not a victim, a victor. You will be a conqueror. We are more than conquerors through Jesus who loved us, who gave himself for us, a sacrifice for sin. How about this one? Greater is he that is in you than the evil one that is in the world. How about this one? No weapon formed against you is going to prosper. How about this one? The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead now dwells in you as a believer. You and I, again, as I mentioned a moment ago, we're not fighting for a victory that is yet to be realized. We're fighting from a position of victory that Jesus has already provided. But we don't go in our name. We go in his name. We don't go in our authority. We go in his authority. See, if you and I could only see the invisible, then we would observe with our eyes this raging conflict between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. I want you to look at this verse. This is Matthew chapter 10 and verse 1. Jesus called his 12 followers together and he gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and sickness. Jesus gave them authority. The enemy, he's real. I wish he wasn't, but he is. Satan, the devil, demons, real. We can't see them, but if you could see them visible... You would know that there is an evil one that's always, as Jesus said, and as I already mentioned to you, that's looking to steal, kill, and destroy. But you have a loving Father in heaven 
who wants to heal and save and rescue. Satan is defined in the Bible, and with this I close, as a roaring lion that's always seeking somebody to devour, to destroy. He's always doing that. God, on the other hand, wants us to live under his divine love and grace, power, and authority. I want you to stand with me this morning as we get ready to wrap up in prayer. But I want everybody, everybody, and that's like everybody, that's like 100%. I want you to read this verse out loud with me as we close. Are you ready? Everybody ready? Let's read it together. So place yourselves under God's authority. Resist the devil and he will run away from you. Come close to God and he will come close to you. Maybe you feel like you're under attack by the evil one. You know what Jesus said? Not in your name and not in your authority. But in my name and my authority, resist the devil and he will flee. That's what God's promise is. He will flee. He will run away from you. If you're here today and you just feel like, you know what, Jeff, I'm, I'm under attack. And I, I know, and, and you're not mystical about it, and you're not weird about it, you're not strange about it, but you just know that right now you're under attack while everybody's head is bowed. Bow your heads. Everybody, close your eyes. You just say, Jeff, I'm under some kind of attack. I know I am. I know the enemy's trying to discourage me. I know he's trying to defeat me. I know he wants me to be depressed. I know that he wants me to just live in this state of despair. I'm under attack right now in some area of my life. I, I want you to just lift your hand. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want you to lift up your hand real quick, and I want to just pray for you right there where you're at. Yeah, yeah, a bunch of you, a bunch of you. There are those of you that are in this room and watching online right now. Today is the day of your salvation. You need to stop believing the lies of the evil one. And Jesus said that he's a liar. He's the father of lies. Everything that comes out of his mouth is a lie. And when the enemy tells you you don't need God or it's not real, it's just a crutch, you can't live the life, Jesus doesn't want to have anything to do with you, those are all lies. You draw near to God and God will draw near to you and he will save you. And you'll live, not as an exposed person, but you'll live under the umbrella and authority of God's protection. I believe that. Doesn't mean your life is going to be perfect. Doesn't mean you'll never have a problem. But you're going to be under the umbrella of God's protection. That's the place you want to be. And if you're not a Christian yet, and you want to become a Christian, if you're watching online, you can just sort of raise your hand right there where you're at. Or while heads are bowed or eyes are closed, you just raise your hand right now and say, I am not a Christian yet, but I want to become a Christian right here, right now, today. I'm crossing the line of faith. I'm giving my life to Jesus. If that's you, lift up your hand real quick, straight up in the air, and then you can put it right back down. Yeah. And pray right there in your heart, your mind. Just say, Jesus, I give my life to you. You can pray it. Jesus, I give my life to you. Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. I believe that you're real. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. Jesus, I believe that you went to the cross for me. Jesus, I believe that you shed your blood for me. I give my life to you. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Thank you for receiving me. Thank you that as I draw close to you, you draw close to me. 
And I praise you for that. Now, Father, I pray for so, so, so many people that raised their hand a moment ago that they are under attack right now. I pray that they would place themselves under your authority. I pray that they will resist the devil. I pray that they will rebuke the devil. Whatever is going on in their health, in their body, in their job, whatever's going on in their finances, wherever the evil one is trying to find a, a way to, to uh, come against them, I pray that we would rebuke the devil and Lord you said that when we resist him he must flee God we draw close to you and we just thank you that we don't fight for victory we fight from a position of victory that you've already given to us and that greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world that is our hope and that is our confidence and that is why we refuse to live in fear because Jesus strong and mighty lives in us and for that we give you praise and everybody said amen, amen. aren't you glad you came to church today I'm glad I came I love you see you right back